Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we're back to Game of Thrones, back to the wall. Yeah, back to the wall, back to uh, it's a Tyrion chapter, but uh, there's a number of wall characters, including, yeah, I'm just calling them wall characters and apologetically, including Jon Snow, who's continuing to uh, try to prove himself to be better than everyone else in the Night's Watch and uh... semi-failing. Well, he's... You I think tell. he's, uh... You think that he's, no, he's uh, coming around a little? He's come around a lot since, uh... His, uh, conversation with, um, Donald Noy. Yeah. And, uh... But he's still trying, as we'll see, he's still trying to be, uh... Um... Sort of a, a uh super soldier, so to say. Still trying to be a Batman. Um, yeah. And it opens with them uh, looking at the wall. and Or they're on the wall. Oh, that's the illustration. The illustration is them on the wall. That's not what's happening. But the illustration is them on the wall uh, looking outward. Now, most of it takes place inside. So, Tyrion is eating with Mormont and the other uh, officers, and they've got a barrel full of crabs that were packed in snow and shipped from Eastwatch. That's right, they're still good, supposedly, because they've been... uh... They were packed in snow. They're frozen. They're. I would not trust them legs. unless they definitely stayed frozen. Yeah, they were probably just uh, left in the. Um... They were probably just left in the snow and not really looked at. But yeah, asking uh, Tyrion if he really <laughs> needs to leave so soon. And. Um... Tyrion says that if that his brother is gonna be wondering what has become of him and he may decide that uh, they've convinced him to take the black and Mormont's like yeah I'd like you to take the black if uh, we couldn't we wish that you would we need they need men he he outright (laughs) says we could use a man like you and they're, uh, they're, uh, they're in there right now, uh, but yeah, he, he, uh, Tyrion's sort of wondering about that, but the idea is that, uh, Tyrion is extremely smart and, uh, extremely resourceful, and that's sort of a thing that comes up, uh, in a little bit, that, uh, they need people who can lead in theory because um all their old guard is dying um uh what is it uh mormont's what 70 something like yeah, that something like that i think he says he's 70 in this and 
the fewer and fewer new men that are joining the Night's Watch, well, you're getting mostly peasants who have committed crimes and don't have a whole lot of actual combat experience and they don't have uh, a lot of the brains or a lot of the strength that is needed for their task. Now that's the thing with the watch having the rules that it has. I mean, how many guys are really going to say, yeah, I want to freeze my butt off in the north and never be able to leave and give up all holdings and um, celibacy for life and Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not going to find a whole Many. lot that are going to volunteer for that. So you're getting criminals that are either forced to, or people who, are, whether they committed a crime or not, are desperate enough that this seems like or, their only option. Or bastard nobility, or like. Oh, you, know, you get some nobility. of that, but that's not most that's of what you're true. getting. That's true. There, as they even said, John's a rarity who's actually been trained and actually has some fighting and strategy taught to him. And Samuel Tarley, even though he can't fight with beans, he has he knows how to read and write, and he knows how to. Uh, do various other things that could be theoretically practical. Whereas, uh, we haven't uh, actually gotten to Samuel Tarley yeah, yet, later, but yeah, if if you are out. familiar with the books at all, or you've you seen know, the show, you know that he's coming. And but the point is, is that John and later Samuel are outliers, and as Sarah said, most of the time it's just poor people and criminals. So, like, just people who have, like, no training and are either desperate or are literally being made to do this against their will. And um, occasionally an... An old warrior, like yeah. a blacksmith or something like that that doesn't have anything else to do or has nothing left to do goes there. But, um... Yeah, and it's not explained in this chapter, but Mormont... Was yeah, he was already a little older. He'd had kids already, and was a rare person who was like, "Oh, the wa- the watch actually needs some help. I'll uh, volunteer." Yeah, and of course, uh, was it Tyrion? Is uh, he sort of being sarcastic a lot of his uh, with a lot of his stuff? Yeah, he's kind of. Deliberately irritating Thorn, which is not difficult to, to do. do. And that's the thing. And then it gets to the point where Alistair... Uh, th- uh, tries to offer to duel him with uh, his crab fork. Well, he tries to duel him and Tyrion just said uh, he had the uh, crab fork. And he, he's yeah, making he, fun of him. Yeah, he's irritating uh, Alistair are... and Alistair's like, yeah, come and uh, fight me with steel. Other... Oh, I've got steel. I got a crab fork. See, I'm poking at you with it. Yeah. <laughs> and the other Night's Watch all think it's hilarious. Cause Including the Raven. Nobody... Yeah, because apparently nobody actually likes him. Um... <laughs> and he walks away stiffly. It looked like he had a dagger up his butt. Yes, that's what, <laughs> that's what George... it said. That's what George R.R. R. Martin wrote. Um... <laughs> So they all... Um, Tyrion claims the spoils, the um, Thorns 
portion of crabs. Yeah. And then does he? I. You know, your wicked pro- provoking Sir Alice are like that. Oh, he's painted a target on him. Somebody's gonna lose an arrow. Yeah. Eventually. And, and of course, they also sort of. He say has no that, sense of humor. Yeah. And he says that uh, Alistair should be mucking the stables rather than training warriors. And Mormont says flat out, "We can't afford anything else. We have." He's what we have. We have enough stable boys. We need actual warriors. It's true. Alistair is not actually teaching them. He just gives them blunt swords and is like, have at each other. And, uh... And, um, Mormont sort of brings up saying, you know, talking about, you know, saying, oh, are you mocking the Night's Watch? And he's saying, oh, everybody needs to be mocked. And this sort of goes... There's, there's, uh... Well, they go on with back and forth with Matt, Maester Eamon. And Maester Eamon is like, what, 100 or something like that? Or 100 plus. Yeah, 100 plus. He's been like a maester for 100 years. I feel like that's like how that's been uh, um, expressed. Um, and... He calls Tyrion a giant among us. Yeah. Uh, Eamon is blind. He can't see Tyrion's height, but you know it's metaphorical anyway. Yeah, and he almost certainly knows that. And, um... Um, Sir Jeremy Riker, um, talks about him and Thorne fighting on the wrong side. That means pro-Targaryen. Yeah. And their choice from Tywin to take the black or have their heads decorate the spikes on the walls outside. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, Mormont comes to the subject of uh, Tyrion going south, and uh, Mormont brings up how dangerous it is, and he offers to give him three men. Um. And initially, Tyrion tried to get Jon Snow, but he said no. He didn't want him to be reminded of his old life, which is probably smart, given how Jon is like clearly regretting, kind of regretting things, or he was kind of regretting things at one point. Now he hasn't said the words yet. He no, could he still leave. He could. It would be he... very awkward and embarrassing to show up to Catelyn again yeah. and Ned and be like, "Yeah, I bailed," but. He yeah. legally still could. Yeah. Um, Mormont basically goes to Tyrion with how he should speak to the Queen and Tywin and Jamie. You know, because of their high positions and for I'm sending more troops to the wall and Tyrion says he'll do it, you know, knowing full well that uh, none of them are gonna take any heed of that. Yeah. 
but that's that's also one of those things where, um, yeah, Mormont he says, um, he needs more men. He talks about because Tyrion asked if there was anything, um, that he could do, and he said, uh, yeah, as mentioned, he could he could talk to his brother, his his sister, or his father, um, who are all powerful people. And this is an interesting point in the book, I think. And it's an interesting point, of course, in the show. Um, where... Um, where he... This is the turning point where you kind of know something's wrong. I mean, you already know this at this point in the book. Uh, that something's coming. Because uh, it's implied from previous chapters. And it's sort of the same with the show, but it's... The idea is, like, he's genuinely, uh... He's genuinely concerned about the lack of men there and the lack of resources there. Uh, before we go on to that part, um... While they were still on the subject of why they should not send Jon Snow as part of the guard for Tyrion, because he'll get reminded of home, um... Mormont mentions he has family members he's never actually met. Oh yeah, we should and, address that. Yes, including uh, and he, he his sister currently rules the uh, uh, what is it? She rules uh, she, Bear Island because his son was disgraced and um, yeah, his son is Jorah. Yeah, uh, Jorah was a slaver and 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 a terrible person in general. So. Now, yes, I think technically Mage is um, ruling Bear Island because um, Gior and Jorah are not there. But on Bear Island, gender roles matter a lot less than in most of Westeros. Yeah, pretty much. So, a woman leading, or a woman being a warrior, that's just just a necessity thing. They've, the they got that bears, no, they got pirates, they got... And, and there's no uh, suitable alternative right now, is what I'm sure they'd, uh, they'd say. Um... But that's a, but that's a whole thing, is that, uh, Mormont saying that they need more men and being earnest about it and um Tyrion you can tell is kind of not taking it seriously he's humoring him saying oh he wants to he's worried about his legacy he's worried about uh who will carry on his mission he put he um bluntly says that Alistair Thorne and Bowen Marsh are not yeah Suitable. Not suitable. Yeah. Uh, we already know what Thorne is like. Marsh doesn't get that much character development, so we're, um, taking the word of his unsuitableness. Yeah. I'm going a little tangent, and House Marsh has one of the coolest sigils they uh, have. Yeah, is where you want to get into this. Now, according to, quote-unquote, semi-canon sources, 
which mean it never shows up in any of the actual books, but it may have showed up in, for example, an officially licensed game or George R.R. interview or something like that that would be considered part of the franchise but not actually showing up in the books. Yeah. So according to semi-canon sources, the Marsh Sigil is ten frogs in kind of a stacked pyramid. <laughs> or that's how they tend to be arranged. Ten frogs on the shield. That's awesome. I've never seen any kind of fan merch or anything with those frogs, but I would consider like trying to paint that on a shield. I I like it. Yeah, that's a pretty cool sigil. Like, I'm pretty much mad toward Bowen himself, but he's got a cool sigil. Anyway, back to the thing at hand. Uh, Mormont says he's getting old. He does not see Thorn or Marsh as suitable when he's gone. Men are going missing, including Benjamin Stark and... Um, Waymar Royce. He only sent Waymar Royce on that ranging because he didn't want House Royce to feel insulted. He's an 18 year old boy and not really ready for that. So here's the thing, though. Like I said, it seems to be implying that Tyrion at least thinks that he's worried about his legacy. And I think it's pretty clear that he's actually worried about what's really going to happen. And he talks about how he... he talk, And he may not be fully aware of it, but uh, he seems to think that a really bad winter is coming, hence the whole winter is coming thing. Um, they go into that. Uh, Tyrion was born during winter. That's sort of a side story, but it was supposedly... Which means one. he doesn't remember... It was three years. His first three years of his life was winter. His first memories were spring. Um, and um, Mormont, uh, he's saying that, you know, he hasn't seen even a terrible winter yet, even though he was born during one, and that one is coming. And um, he talks about messages from um, East Watch and the Shadow Tower. Um, Dennis Mallister noticing um, like the wildlings are moving south and and that the days are getting shorter and reports from fishermen closer to East Watch that white walkers had been seen on the shore which Tyrion dismisses believe. right away because oh in Lannisport they've seen Merlings. Uh, you may as well be saying like, "Oh, I saw vampires or something like that, or, or you know, ghosts or, or something, something like that." And uh, and again, Tyrion. Here we are, kind of picking and choosing which creatures in a fantasy world where magic is known to exist are definitely fake and not right. <clears throat> Most of the fandom don't take the Merlings seriously. Yeah, and it goes back to that whole thing. George R. R. Martin will put all these things in his stories 
and it's hard to say what is uh, fictional and what isn't. Um, especially because some things are going to be demonstrated to be uh, real. Like, spo- I think it's not too much of a spoiler to say, yeah, the White Walkers are real. No, they're sure, real a White the, Walker showed up in the... They're real on the show, they're real in the book. Well, you know, it's one of those things, you might as well rip that band-aid off. But the point is, Tyrion doesn't believe it or know it yet. Uh, most people don't believe it or know it yet. And even Mormont might not fully know or believe it yet. But he understands something's going on. That uh, winter looks like it'll be a bad one. He says the longer the summer, the longer the winter. It's been a ten-year summer. Um, or it's about to be a ten-year summer. And he talks about how there are uh, things in the woods that, you know, there are uh, direwolves and mammoths and snow bears the size of aurochs. I'm assuming he's talking about polar bears. Uh, or something like that. I think and, so, too. And, um, and he's seen darker shapes in his dreams. And Tyrion just mentions it's in his dreams. Um, but Mormont is very clear, um, very clear that he believes something is going bad. And that he needs these soldiers. So I guess Merlins are supposed to be like mer- mermaids. Mermaids, something like that. Something like that, yeah. It's sort of And like... they've got various other sea creature stories that uh, maybe Lovecraft may have inspired a bit. Uh, wouldn't it be wild if some of them turned out to be real? Yeah, and he, he mentions, you know, he really, really hopes that he tells the king... Uh, and um, Tyrion says he would. Uh, who knows what he actually planned to do? I imagine Tyrion might say something offhand. I I can imagine he'd say something offhand, maybe in his clever way, like saying, "Like, yeah, they really don't have a lot of people left there." Um, which they don't. They have. What is it? Uh, he describes that they have six hundred. Uh, at the knights at the um at, at Castle Black and, and the other uh, two castles have less. Yeah, like well, one other one has like half that, and the others have less. And he says that uh, he he has he has three men to defend each mile of wall, and Tyrion, of course, clips the three and a third. But uh, but still, that's not very comforting. Uh, somehow, in my mind, I'm not imagining Castle Black as very big and. Yet it's supposed to be really empty with only only six hundred there, so I yeah. guess Well something's not mathing to me. Well, six hundred isn't that many people for army wise. No, it isn't. It. So I mean So yeah, I'm really... underestimating the size of the castle or yeah. overestimating how much space each man's really supposed to be having or something. Yeah. Um Tyrion heads back toward his um, bedchamber in one of the more comfortable towers of the castle. So think tolerable instead of bad. Uh, And he gets a sudden uh, whim that, oh, he's not going to see the wall again. So he wants to see it from the top one last time. Gets in that scary 
elevator cage winch thing. And it so it talks about it going up by like Yeah, and This is not a thing I feel okay about. It doesn't with... feel sound safe at all, and that's clearly meant to yeah, and the ropes are creaking and it's swinging back and forth. And I imagine it's one of those things if I were in that I'd be not happy in there. Um Imagine a lot of people wouldn't be very feel very happy. Or but I think that they eventually decide they prefer that to <coughs> Walking, climbing, climbing the stairs. Yeah. Gets to the top. The um, guys running the winch actually have their own little. Uh, hut thing that they can stay in and keep warm when they're not do yeah you're imagining like a maybe more permanent version of the little ice fishing uh yeah pretty much uh. and it talks about how cold it is oh it's much much colder that high up in the air in the open and and Tyrion's like huddling his clothes and his cheeks are cold and his lips are chapped and all that stuff the wall itself is wider than you'd think like you're not gonna randomly slip off the edge unless you're standing right at the edge it's talking like you could drive a whole small wagon down it yeah And he encounters eventually uh, John and snow. Ghost. Yep. And um, John, of course, stops him and is like, oh, who goes there and all that? And, and uh, Tyrion announces himself, and John was surprised about that. I feel, like, a little bit surprised that they have John up there on top of the wall when he's that new. Well, I think they're trying to break him. Because remember, they go in and they talk about how he's up all night and then he's training all day. And uh, John mentions how... And Thorne still feels like his toes are being stood on because... Yeah. And uh, he mentions that he thinks that... uh, They think that uh, if they... uh, if if they uh, keep him up all night and uh, or half the night, uh, they'll fall asleep during the morning drill, and they're trying to rough him. I think they're trying to just break him, and he's saying so far I've disappointed them, which is you know why I was saying what I was saying earlier. John's sort of remaining defiant. I don't think he's going to be cruel to his brothers, but I think that he's going to remain defiant in the high command. But we'll see. Are you thinking what I'm thinking about? The logistics of bringing Ghost onto the top. Yeah, there are no logistics involved, except for the fact that Ghost... That I Ghost think, is special and isn't going to act like a normal dog would if you put it in that shaking yeah, cage not or... Yeah, not only that, I think that the idea is that Ghost is already so bonded with John that it doesn't want to... Like, I'm, I'm picturing, like, trying to bring, like, say, my dog, or a dog that's like my dog... In personality. Yeah. 
and it would be like not impossible but not fun for any involved yeah um John says that the other boys are doing uh better in the yard from the help that he's been giving them despite you know Thorn wanting to be the sole person quote-unquote training them Uh, Gran actually held his own against Halter the stonemason and Pip isn't dropping his sword anymore because Thorn had never actually taught him the right way to hold it I guess we'll uh, introduce Pip His full name, I think that's pronounced Pipar. Yeah, I, I, that's how it's pronounced in my head. And he's a small boy. I think they mean short rather than like super young. Yeah. Um, big ears. And he was with a mummer's troop before. Um. Taking the black. Yeah, so who only knows what that even means? If he just did have desperation, which I feel like that's kind of what it's implying, that he was just a performer who was desperate and was not a living... Now, the bit about the Mummer's Troop doesn't actually come in this chapter, but it does come up. Uh, And he's been to various places and knows... Knows various uh, things and all that about that. Now, he does not have the same uh, backstory that Pip does in the show. Uh, If you've seen the show, um, Pip has to join the watch because he was singing for um, a lord at Acorn Hall and... um, got sexually harassed by this lord, and when Pip turned him down, the lord spun it around as he'd been stealing the silver. Yeah. Now, on the one side... Oh, yeah, and he told the other boys that he'd stolen cheese to feed his sister because he didn't want them to know this sexual harassment story. Uh, on the one side, it does kind of fit the sort of thing that would happen in that world. And, you know, it is a thing that happens. And on the other side, yes, the sh- does the show really have to keep adding additional assault situations that never happened in the book for more drama? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's Pip. The mummer and I've got a theory that and I'm not the only one who thinks this, that he might be partially inspired by Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Small, big ears. Yeah. Full of a took. I mean, I think that is 
meant to be some kind of reference. Tyrion asked John if he'd like to bring any message back to Winterfell, you know, on his way south. Yeah. And first, John comes up with this whole thing about, yeah, tell Rob that he's going to command the Night's Watch and keep him safe so Rob can go and take up needlework with the girls and melt down his sword. And Tyrion's like, your brother's bigger than me. I'm not going to give him a message that's going to get me killed. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. (laughs) And, um... John wants him to tell Rickon... uh, Try to explain where he's gone, because Rickon is still... um, Going to be wondering when he's coming home and uh, tell Rick and he can have uh, John's things that he left because he'll like that. Oh, yeah, and John, of course, is determined to find his uncle. And to. Um, help Bran in some way and Tyrion is like how can I help Bran I don't have magic I don't words and use her words to help him as you helped me he thinks that he's gonna like give him the pep talk somehow and that'll be that'll be a uh, that'll that'll, uh, help Bran he thinks that He'll be able to help Bran find his legs. Um, there's a nice uh, description of the like, the north side of the wall and the Night's Watch cut down all the trees for a certain distance so that they can't be used as cover to sneak up on the wall but in some places the trees aren't being cut down as much because the wall is so undermanned yep there's no there's no building uh and Mormont mentioned that earlier how he used to uh how the previous predecessors and all that were uh building the wall bigger and better than they found it and and how thick and tangled and dense the forest is and how spooky and how you can see why someone would call it the haunted forest. Well, I think there's a definite reason it's called the haunted forest. I mean, having white walkers and deads in it sounds pretty haunted to me. Yeah. Yeah, and as you were saying, John is still worried about his uncle. And at first he expected his uncle to come back and he'd be the first to see him. But he hasn't come back. And... And Tyrion says give it time. 
And John's plan is if he doesn't come back... He's going to go out and find him. To which Tyrion says to John's face, I believe you, but he's thinking, and then who will find you? Yeah. And wolves are starting to howl in the woods. He's got he's got ghosts though. Ghosts now will go. Anybody wondered that. To be fair, I actually consider ghosts to be better protection for that sort of what's out there than and most things. Probably better than any of the Night's Watch. Except Mormont, maybe. Uh, well, Mormont's getting old now. He's 70, like I said. Around that age. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, next chapter. The next chapter is an Arya chapter. Oh, it shows a little pic- picture of little Arya and the, um... Oh, and, uh... <laughs> Who was it? What's his name? I can never remember his name. Ned. No. Is that Ned? I thought that was supposed to be what's his name? The guy who trains her. I think that's Ned finding the sword that Arya oh, was supposed needle, to not. Yeah. But but it looks young to be Ned. I don't know. I'll describe that later. I guess. I think the artists for the books are trying to technically meet the book description sometimes yeah. while deliberately not looking like the actors for the show. Yeah, well, yeah, that's probably a good point. Uh, I all it. along was picturing Sean Bean. I'd already seen the Sean Bean memes before I picked up the book ever. Ned is always going to be Sean Bean to me. Yeah, same. So. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So I think that they kind of, they kind of make him look younger. They make him look like, um, God, they make him look like the bad guy from uh, the Mask of Zorro, not the older guy, but the younger guy. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes these books will have illustrations from different artists that don't look like each other. Yeah. Um, like back when we were doing that Daenerys chapter, there's a Daenerys that looks 13, and then there's a Daenerys that looks 24. Yeah. So there you go. That's the chapter. And yeah, the 13 Daenerys is is probably the more accurate one. The 24 Daenerys is the one you feel more comfortable about her being with the cow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess that's that, and uh, we'll be going on to the Arya, and we'll also be doing more Redwall, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast. Good night. Goodbye.